Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. We're going to go to God's Word. Lord, we thank you for the Scripture. We thank you for the power of your Word. And this morning, Lord, as we... Just say this after me. Lord... Your words are the words of life. Would you cause your words to burn in my heart? Open my ears to hear. Open my eyes to see. I ask for your glory. Amen. Let's speak a little bit about Jesus' master plan. If you go through the four Gospels, you find this very clear theme. That number one, there was a process of selection. Because men, and in this case, and women, don't feel left out, ladies. We are called the sons of God in this life, but for eternity we'll be referred to as the bride of Christ. So be secure. It's men and women. But men were his method. He didn't come with any other strategy he didn't come with any other formula but to call people by name to follow him. Do you know that you've been called to follow him? And Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. That's interesting because sometimes life is too short to be with everybody. We've got to know who we can make a meaningful impression on. He called those that he wanted. And even though he was God in the flesh, he, one of them wasn't a great choice. So go easy on yourself. Sometimes when we call someone to this process of mentoring, some fall off the wagon. But don't be discouraged by that because it only takes a few to make a big change. That was his first he called those he wanted. Then secondly, he be association. He stayed with them. Jesus was all about relationship. You know, when he, we often say he called the disciples. No, he didn't. He called fishermen and tax collectors and like power junkies and, and weirdos. He, his process was to make disciples. Those are followers of Jesus and his word. That was the great commission that he eventually gave them, to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey your church doctrine, teaching them to obey the latest hip quote, teaching them to obey the latest philosophy, teaching them to obey, no, my word. He stayed with them. Come aside and rest a while. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Let me tell you something. When Jesus found you, I know we often say, you know, I found Jesus. Well, he found you. He made his camp inside your soul. He is never leaving and never forsaking. And he's with you until the end of the age. And thirdly, there was this impartation. He gave himself away. He imparted something. 
You know, people don't catch what you taught. They catch who you are. Some things are taught, but most things are caught. And they caught something just being with Jesus. There was an impartation of him in their lives. His words spoken to them. When he was alone with the twelve and others around him, he asked them about the parables. And he told them the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. And you'd, wouldn't you have loved to have been sitting in one of those meetings when Jesus expounded on his parables? Impartation. And he'd say things like, take my yoke upon me, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. He imparted peace to them. He said, learn from me. That's why they could come to him and say, teach us how to pray. It was the most important question they ever asked and the most important lesson they ever got. And it's the only time recorded where they actually go to him and say, teach us this. Because they saw a difference in his life after he prayed. So he imparted through his lifestyle. You see, when we get around people, some of us rubs off. None of us claim to be perfect. Sometimes the rough edges get knocked off. You know, as iron sharpens iron. Only hanging around Jesus would have been the perfect model. Don't be discouraged when you think you do your worst. Actually, God will use that and give that other person hope that, they, that you're not the perfect person to follow. When we portray something of, I'm perfect, be like me, it doesn't take long before pride comes before the fall. But there is something. I know I hung around with a, a, a Christian soon after I got saved. They took me into their home. I didn't realize that they were really just mentoring me. I thought they just liked me. No, they did. But they also were mentoring me. And, and when we woke up in the morning, he'd say, okay, what are we praying about today? Uh, uh, on the way to work, sing a song of praise. Um, uh, weekends, come and stay with us. See you at the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. He'd sit next to me and bump me. You haven't prayed yet. It's corporate prayer. It's not listening to someone else pray. We have to all pray. Why, why aren't you praying? I'd be so nervous. I'd be rattling. My knees would be having fellowship. I'd be like, how can I? I was so intimidated to speak in a group or pray in a group. And he kept on encouraging me. Kept, and I caught something from him. Some of you remember he ministered here about two, when Dr. Fred Roberts died. He flew over from the UK and, he, and I had him here that Sunday, Bert. We, we need to be a Bert to somebody or to some people. And it can't be hundreds of people, unfortunately. So don't look for someone to be your Bert or your... You be somebody and let God bring the right people to you. Or else you live with false, wrong expectations. Part of this impartation is that uh, after he said this, he showed them his hands and side after he appeared to them after his resurrection. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The greatest impartation you can receive to live this life is that breath of the Holy Spirit. I say it again and again. Christianity is not difficult. It's impossible. 
Christianity demands a supernatural impartation of the life of God. And whoever we mentor, we have to keep in the forefront of our mind, yes, we've got to prayerfully select someone, a new convert, or someone God brings across our path. We've got to be willing to invest time in terms of association. But they're going to catch something from us. Let them rather catch the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't just rely on your head knowledge. Don't just rely on your personality and your charisma. Say, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, Jesus demonstrated. He showed them how to live. I've set before you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What did he do? He was the master artisan. You know what an artisan does? I do, and then the apprentice watches. Then the apprentice does, and the artisan watches. And then the apprenticeship eventually becomes an artisan, and he does with someone else watching him. Jesus was on the job training with them. Someone was sick. I, I I love, I see that, I don't want to name people, and, but, but this, I, I see that happening in the church. Someone will say something about a problem, that, they say, can I pray for you? Straight away, not, it's like a default setting, can I pray for you? Not, hey, that's a tough one, man, so when are you going to go see your doctor? Hey, that's harsh, you're going to see a marriage counselor, I've got a good name for you. No, oh wow, would you mind if I prayed for you right now? Come on, Jesus was raising the sick, healing. He went to his hometown and no one believed, so he didn't do any healings there. He shrugged that off. He didn't get all intimidated because now a whole lot of people didn't believe. He just carried on. He demonstrated a life of courage. You know, you need courage in this thing called mentorship. You need commitment. You need stickability. You need to keep at it. It's what you're born for as a born-again Christian. If a baby is born for something that it doesn't do, it will live its life frustrated and even shipwreck. But when you find the purpose you created for, now I know there's doctors and educators and lawyers and politicians and all those wonderful gifts, but at the core of the heart is this world and all its nations need to be discipled. They need to find Christ. Jesus is the solution for the world. And we promised in Revelations that on that day, they're going to stand before him from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So it is going to happen. We get to choose to be part of it for this little short burp in time called earth life. This little flicker. We get to be partner with God's grand scheme. He demonstrated. And he says to them, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor messenger greater than the one who sent him. And they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He demonstrated. He showed a life. Then the next theme we see as he's walking with these men is that of delegation. He assigned them work. Come follow me. God loves you, and I've got great plans for your life. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He made his agenda clear right up front. You see, 
if we're going to mentor someone into discipleship and we give them the false pretense that we're just going to be playing squash together, and I'm not talking about meeting a girlfriend or boyfriend, I'm talking about the sport. If we, if we give people the wrong impression, oh, we're just going to do movies together. Or if we give people the wrong impression, oh, we're just going to do this, or we're just going to... Let's be clear right up front with a new convert and say, I want to share a word God gave me for you. Because there's someone in your life who needs to hear that. I'm going to provide the bait. You're going to put it on the hook. And then you're going to go and fish. And next week, you're going to tell me how it went. Right up front, Jesus was clear in his delegation. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Wow. Have you been authorized with the highest authority in the universe? Can you believe that when you go to somebody that you could, you don't have to say that to them, but you can have the confidence of that the one, Jesus says, the one who receives you is actually receiving me. This is Jesus talking. And he goes one step further and says, the one who's receiving me is receiving the God of the universe. This is no small little, you know, go teach them to play the guitar commission, as great as that is. This is like the authority of heaven being stamped on on our delegation. He says, I'm sending you. It's like I'm going. It's like Jesus is, is speaking through you in that situation. Then we find, they go, they see miracles, they come back, they're all excited. One says, we saw Satan falling. Jesus has to you know, correct them and say, okay, don't make that your biggest joy yet. Be, your greatest joy is that your name's written in heaven. And he, so he followed up with them. This is another weakness we've got in the church. Often we delegate, but then we don't supervise. Because we don't like that word. Nobody supervises me. Hey, hey, nobody tells me what to do. Eh? Don't try to come supervise me now. Accountability is not a swear word. It's, just, it's ugly if it's a, it comes from a controlling, patronizing, talking down way. But accountability can be done in humility and love. And Jesus was very strong at times. And he it was like, you can't heal this guy because, you know, you, you haven't spent time getting a word from the Father. And you can rant and rave and shout and do all the stuff. But Jesus says to the boy, be healed and the demon leaves him. Jesus had been up the mountain praying. They were just walking around looking for, to have fun. For whatever reason, Jesus doesn't mind us trying and failing. Can you take a bit of a rebuke in your life? If someone says something to you, or, or someone you trust as a leader, or trust as a, a spiritual friend, brings some correction to your life and says, you know that what you did was a little bit out of line? Or remember you said you were going to do this and you didn't do it? Uh, let's talk about that. What, what's happening? 
How do you react to that? Nobody tells me what to do. I'm independent. Don't you know? It's me and Jesus. Jesus and me only. I don't need any man. In, uh, there's no leaders in the Bible. Right. Go read your Bible again. How do you cope with a little bit of correction, a little bit of supervision, a little bit of tweaking? That's part of Jesus' method. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they'd done, and he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. And aware of their discussion, Jesus asks them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears that fail to hear? And don't you remember? I mean, those, are, those aren't like pretty little Jesus, meek and mild. He was like, come on, guys. It's time to grow up now. How long have you been a believer? How long have you been listening this, this thing of just dry-cleaning Sunday morning, you know, services, in at nine and out of ten. You can't be content with that. How long is it going to take? How long do you have to keep saying the same things over and over and over before you get them? And that leads to the final one, which is reproduction. Jesus expected them to reproduce. Say reproduce. To reproduce is to replicate. To replicate, that is the area, as I said earlier, where we haven't been so strong. We've been strong in worship, strong in fellowship, and strong in pizza and movies. But we haven't always been so strong in passing it on. Jesus expected them to produce fruit. If we don't catch a revelation of that, if we don't take his last commandment so seriously, the gospel can die out in three generations, theoretically, except our no but for God. But that's another subject. You, you did not choose me, as Jesus says. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Say fruit. He's called us to go and bear fruit. He expects us to bear fruit. Yes, he's patient. What kind of tree was that? A coral tree. I thought they grew under the sea, but obviously not. You should not supposed to be underwater. A, a coral bomb. Is that the type you can smoke now legally? Not, uh, sorry, bad pastor. Take that off the tape. 11 years. Imagine waiting for, I mean, talk about patience and perseverance. Some of us identify with that word because we're in our 12th year. I thought that number was significant this morning for some people. Some people, and you know I'm talking to you. You know the Holy Spirit's got your number. Twelve years, does that ring a bell? Twelve years? Maybe it's figurative for some. 
But he's been waiting and he's been watching. But he called you and appointed you to be fruitful. He has no intention of chopping you down. Amen. He just chopped down the religious system. In the parable where he says after three days go, three years, the tree's not producing. That was religion. It was the Judaistic, sacrificial, Old Testament covenant. He's not ever going to chop you down. Even if you get to heaven with no flowers. But you know what? There's a joy in flowering. There's a joy in flowering. Speaking about the parable of the sower, Jesus says, other seed, like seed, sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Don't be discouraged. Some seed falls in the weed, some fear, but there is that seed which is going to fall in the right place. He wants you to be fruitful, but to be fruitful, you have to persevere. So this is my prayer for us at this time. It's what we demonstrated when we called the life group up here this morning. It's what we heard through the testimonies. Is I want to look back in two or three years' time and see a people who have been equipped. Oh, pastor, I don't need a formula. Now, maybe you actually do. How, how, how well, how's that going for you right now? You know? We have a formula here on a Sunday morning. There's time allocated to worship. There's time allocated to the Word. Time allocated to, to fellowship. But I've never been to two services exactly the same. So in discipleship, don't come with this, well, you know, I just flow with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just me and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. When you lead someone to Jesus, there are certain things you include. You can't just say, okay, Give your life to Jesus. Just, just say, uh, whoopee woo, uh, dingbat, prophet, shandai. And now you're saved. I mean, that's like ridiculous. You, you know there's things to do. There's a, there, 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 if you like a formula, that word so many people hate. Well, get to know the discipleship formula until you can do it in your sleep. And then do it to your own Way, but by then the principles will have been burnt into your soul. I don't have to lead, follow a formula to lead someone to Jesus anymore. It's just in me. You've been selected to select. He associates with you so that you can be His association to somebody else. He's imparted to you. His word has come that you can impart to others. He has demonstrated. Those he's put in your life have demonstrated so that you can demonstrate. He delegated all authority so that we can go and he will supervise us and hold us accountable and we can do that loving humility towards others as we see reproduction beyond our wildest imaginations. If this match
catches. It will be exponential. Can we please stand up?